Hello, hello. Good afternoon, good morning, good evening to those listening across the world and across the country. You're tuning in listening to The Cinematic Odyssey here on U92 The Moose. Uh, apologies for last week. We didn't get the episode up um, for the Christmas episode on the air. Uh, but that's on stream platforms. It did happen. It happened. Uh, that was my fault because I've been uh, very busy uh, being at home, doing a bunch of stuff, going everywhere. And uh, yeah, but uh, today or this week, Max and I are going to be talking about the films that we've seen over the last year, over this past year. I've seen quite a bit, uh, over 100 films, although not not nearly as much as I did last year. I'm, I almost eclipsed 200 last year. I, I just missed it by like uh, like 12 films, I think, uh, or 14. So I was close. I was close. But yeah, I almost eclipsed 800 total this year. I'm at like 770 something, if I believe. 757. Uh, so I'm almost there. Uh, getting closer to 1,000 watched in my lifetime. That's incredible. <laughs> I, I, oh. You're doing that. I started doing Letterboxd in um, August. So that is not an adequate representation of what I have and have not seen. <clears throat> Yeah, I mean, I when I got Letterboxd in 2018, I just I tried to log in as much stuff that I remembered or that I've seen. Uh, so majority of this isn't. Majority of what I've seen on here is like old or like stuff that I've seen many years ago, like throughout my life. But yeah, by the way, it's still it's still it's still a lot. Yeah, it's certainly a lot. But so, I mean, what are we going to go just in total of everything? I know you want to kick it off because you, you haven't seen as much. I yeah. guess we can, like, we can separate it by this year, like movies that specifically release, release this year. And then like just in I general. Mean, my list, my lists, I have, we have a bottom five and a top 15. These my the criteria that I went off of, and it might have been different for you, but that's okay. Um, I went off of the movies that I saw for the first time this year. They didn't have to release this year, but you know, I hadn't seen The Godfather prior to this year. I watched it uh this January. That's on the list. So, you know, it's 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 new film not necessarily um newly released film yeah yeah um if 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 it's all right with you tristan i'd like to kick off my bottom five yeah go ahead go ahead all right so the uh the fifth my the fifth worst film in my opinion it's 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 not bad like it's not a bad movie I just, I did not enjoy watching it. I would not watch it again. And I have a lot to say about this. And you, you've heard me talk about this before. Number five on my list is The Power of the Dog. Yeah, I haven't seen that yet. Uh, I know it got a lot of praise last year. Certainly. Well, Power of the Dog. season. Benedict, uh, Jane Campion directs Benedict Cumberbatch, Kirsten Dunst. Um, I know his name, Jesse Plemons. There it is. 
Cody and Cody Smith McPhee, all Oscar nominees for it. But I mean, it was it was dry. It was slow. And a really, really good ending does not save you for the hour and 45 minutes that you have to wade through to get there. And that's <laughs> that's that's my that's why it makes the list. Uh, OK, that's pretty. Would you rate it? Would you rate it out of five? I would I would give it, you know, at least I would give it maybe three stars. Mm, I didn't okay. review it. I saw it back in March when it um came out like it's. It's it's good. Like it's a good it's a well-made film. The issue is. It's slow. There's nothing really that. Brought me excitement. Watching this film, there was nothing that really it was entirely slow burn until it all clicks at the very end. And then you're like, oh, I get it. But why did you have to have me sit through an hour and a half of stuff, an hour 45 of stuff just to get that really cool moment? Like, I, I didn't think that worked for me. What's your number four? Just keep going. Just keep going. All right. Uh, my number four. This one, another one that I saw for the first time this year. Not a new film, but I don't like it. Uh, Martin Scorsese's Shutter Island. I think it's I think it's Scorsese at least. <laughs> you hate I don't like that movie. It. And you uh, have it above Power of Dog? The Power I don't of the like Dog? it. No, th- th- I'm going down. This is going towards my worst. Oh, 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 okay, okay, okay. Yeah. No, Power of the Dog is not the worst film that I saw. Oh, movie. all right, all right. There all right. are worse, I okay. promise. <laughs> um <laughs> but uh is Shutter Island like you know, okay. Shutter Island was like if the fifth grade essay you wrote about, you know, a fairy tale and doing whatever the heck you wanted. And the last sentence was, and it was all just a dream or, and then he woke up. That's if that was a movie. It, I, I didn't like it. I thought that was, I thought it was stupid. We spent an hour and a half learning the characters, learning the backstory, learning the motives, being set up for what it is. And then in a monologue in a wooden room in a lighthouse, we're told, oh, by the way, none of that's actually true. I, I, do, I, don't, I don't understand the point of Shutter Island. I know it was adapted. Um, I believe it was adapted from a book. Probably should have just read the book. I mean that that's that is that is my uh, two cents. Go into my number three. My number three. This was actually revenge. So my my grandmother and I, we would been we had been going back and forth watching movies with each other. Yeah. Um, for a year plus at least. Okay. And so I had shown her Scott Pilgrim versus the World to yeah. try and show her. Oh, this is how. Uh, director you know makes cuts and how you piece together all the little elements of a film because yeah. his transitions in that movie are edgar wright's transitions beautiful but um she didn't like it mostly because of all the stylized violence that's not her style yeah. she's a hallmark movie grandma which <laughs> yeah. is not no no shame to it but like it's not her thing and so she made me watch an, an 80s film 
called Girls Just Want to Have Fun, starring Sarah Jessica Parker and Helen Hunt. In <laughs> it's basically, it's a romance. It's horrible. I, yeah, it's basically a romantic comedy, but it's hairspray without the musical aspect or the racial aspect. It's basically just Sarah Jessica Parker is a good dancer. She wants to audition to get onto a dance television show. Her father won't let her. And the boy who's going to help her is really cute and into her. And there we go. How, the, how does she know about this? I don't. I, this I have is so no idea. Obscure. She, I think she loves Helen Hunt. And she might have just heard about it. Uh, I have no idea how she found this movie. I have no idea why this movie exists. It was one of Sarah Jessica Parker's first ever film roles, which was cool, but like, come on. It was, it was, I, we, I watched it with my grandma and my sister and we were, we were kind of like throwing out little, well, why doesn't she just do this? The entire movie it was, it was <laughs> fun. We were, we were heckling. That's funny. My number two is based solely on the script because the voice talent okay. is impeccable. This is an animated movie. Um, okay. It's called Dougal. Oh, wait, that's not your number one? Oh, it's God. not my number one. Dougal is <laughs> my number two. It has an incredible voice cast. Like, it's funny that they got all these actors, A-list actors to do this. Whoopi Goldberg, Chevy Chase, Jimmy Fallon, William H. Macy, Bill Hader, you know, everybody is contributing. John Stewart. I love John Stewart. Um, like they're all contributing voices to this. And the script is just so bad. Like I I don't I I can't. I it was I'll be honest, it did make me laugh at times. I, I I'll be honest but I can't tell for what reason, whether it was because why did they put this joke in this movie or that was a pretty funny joke. Like it didn't make much sense and it wasn't great, but you know what? I probably will see it again. <laughs> I, I would go back to that. Well, I see. Wow. Okay. And number one, by virtue of being the only film I actually wasn't able to finish. Um, <laughs> oh, boy. You know, I had fond memories uh, growing up with this movie. I was like, oh, it's not that bad. It's all unnecessary slander. It doesn't, it's not that bad. I started watching it again, you know, as an older person who might understand more jokes. It's bad. Number one is Jack and Jill. Jack and Jill? Yeah. No, you didn't watch that on your own will. I That's did will. actually. I got about I got about 40 minutes into it. And it's <laughs> I it was so much worse than I remember. I like Jack and Jill, dog. I was gonna say, you know, Adam Sandler, he doesn't deserve all he does not Adam Sandler does not deserve all the hate he gets. Like some of his movies that are panned are actually pretty good. I enjoy Pixels. I enjoy Grown Ups. You know, that doesn't matter. But, like, Jack and Jill, 
is very bad. And that <laughs> is why it takes, I, I, I couldn't finish it. And that is why it takes my number one for the worst film that I've seen this year. Yeah, well, no surprise there. <laughs> I mean, it's Jack and Jill, dude. It's like one of the worst movies ever made. <laughs> you know, everybody deserves a chance, right? Yeah, sure. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Adam Sandler has way better stuff that he does. he's only acting in. He doesn't have any creative input in, like, Uncut Gems, Punch Drunk Love. The next Safety Brothers movie that he's making. Hustle. Sure. No, yeah, I don't know. I didn't see it. You didn't see it either, I bet. I'm just kidding. <laughs> All right. All right. It's your turn. Lead me into the, the bottom five of Tristan. Well, mm. well, 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 well. So. I don't have a list, so I'll just gonna go off what I see. Um, hmm. See, the thing with me is that I don't tend to watch stuff that I know I'm not gonna like. I watch stuff that I know I'm gonna like or will enjoy. So there isn't much. There isn't much that I watch. I'm like, oh, I don't really like this. Um. But I can tell you that I watched the Transformers trilogy, the Michael Bay Transformers movies. Oh. <laughs> I watched those. Okay. Look, hear me out. They're terrible. They're horrible. <laughs> but they're fun to watch. Yeah. They're fun to watch, but they're horrible. <laughs> Okay, it's just it's just literally like military propaganda, like circle jerk for the U.S. military industrial complex, <laughs> and big robots fighting each other, and Shia LaBeouf like trying to act, and then he's unintentionally funny to look at. Watch. Oh no! And then. I like cool cars, but like the mo the enjoyment I get out of it is just finding is just watching the Transformers fight each other. That's literally all I get out of it. <laughs> it just scratches an itch in your head. Yeah, that's all I get out of it. Um, Michael Bay is not a talented director. Um, I guess he's talented for making extravagant spectacles on the screen. That's his only talent. But other than that, there isn't really anything you can get out of these movies. Other than Megatron bad, Optimus Prime good. <laughs> <laughs> that's it. That's it. That's what you can get. Is it all three in one? Or is there one that's like worse than the others? Uh, I'd say the worst one is probably Revenge of the Fallen, which is the second one. Um, or maybe the the third one. I don't know. I'd say the best, the best like action sequence though, definitely goes to the the third one, the Dark of the Moon. 
Although my favorite, my favorite sequence in the entire trilogy uh, belongs to the second one where Optimus gets resurrected. I don't know. Have you seen the movies? No. Okay. Well, Optimus gets killed by Megatron. He gets resurrected at the end of the movie. And there's the, the, the basically the world's going to end because one of the other primes, because Optimus is a prime, there's another prime who is like alive and there's this thing called the matrix. Uh, right. I think it's called the matrix. I honestly forgot, but there's this key. There's this key that's called the matrix, I think. And the key turns on this like gun that's hidden in inside one of the pyramids of Giza. And the, what the gun will do is it, uh, what does it do? I think it just it resurrects Cybertron, I think, or something. I don't know. It does. So, it, it basically, it's going to end the world. OK, that's all you need to know. And then, so Optimus, Optimus gets gets resurrected by an old Decepticon who's been hiding for like decades. And. He gets his powers so he can like fly. And then he basically runs raw shit on Megatron and the other prime, like just deals with them. Like they're toothpicks, dude, like snaps them like that. Like no problem. It's so awesome to watch. (laughs) There are some, there's always some redeeming quality in any movie. I think that there it is. There we go. Yeah. Yeah. I also watched, um, uh, childhood, kind of favorite of mine the hot wheels i've told you about them the hot yes. wheels movies uh hot wheels world race and then the accelerators movies which is four of them which it ended on a cliffhanger ended on a cliffhanger in the fourth movie uh which oh, made me very upset it still makes me upset Stupid. it seems so personal and it's such a bad it's like such a crazy cliffhanger too it's such a crazy one it's like oh come on Anyways, <laughs> look, they're they're average at best. At best, they're average. I mean, they're at kids. worst, at worst, they're like uh, it's just kind of like, eh, they're not that good. Just distract. But, it's like a distraction on the screen for somebody. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, look, if there is surprise, there is a surprisingly high amount of maturity in the story and like some of the relationships and themes that that the the series like kind of commentates on or whatever. But, you know, as a kid, that all goes over your head. So rewatching it older, I, I, it definitely grows my appreciation for the series. I still I love I love the I love it dearly um but yeah it just sucks that there's there's no more although i think there's like a there's a couple of fans that are making a new a new movie uh to continue the story where it left off with the last one but there there was rumors though that um that there was a fifth one in the making but it had to be canceled for some reason, I don't know why, but it was canceled, and it makes me sad. Sad. 
And then another, there was one film that, there was a couple films that did disappoint me. Um, Worst person in the world. I didn't, I don't know. It didn't really click with me. Mm. The film from Joachim Trier or Joachim Trier, Joachim Trier, the Danish filmmaker. Yeah. 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 That, that film was getting a lot of praise last year and it just didn't. I don't know. It didn't click with me. I just got to watch it another time. Um, and then I saw Promising Young Woman. That was uh, problematic and a bit, bit one-dimensional, in my opinion. I also saw Picnic at Hanging Rock from Peter Ware. This is this is considered to be his masterpiece. So I I had high expectations. I bought it actually during the Criterion sale in July. And then I watched it and I was like kind of disappointed. I didn't really I, I I don't know, it just I didn't get it, I guess. I didn't really get it. Um and then what else? High and low was also kind of dis. I was kind of disappointed, although I was not fully awake when I watched that. High and low being Akira Kurosawa's one of his masterpieces. I didn't really. I got to be more attentive next time. We'll go grain of salt with that one. Yeah, but uh, yeah, that's kind of the stuff that disappointed me. Nice. I was disappointed with. Yeah, no, I didn't. Yeah, I didn't have like I didn't watch like The Room or Neil Breen film, something like that. Although next year, watch out. The Room. Watch out. (laughs) All right. We've had our laughs. We've talked. We've done our little Razzie ceremony. Golden Raspberry. Let's 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 talk positives. Let's let's go. Let's think about the the cinematic achievements. Now, my top end is it's I'm really top heavy because I I tend to go in and be positive because I'm like, well, did I did I appreciate it or did I like it? And then a lot of it comes on. Would I watch it again? Would I did I care for the message? Would I want to revisit it? That's sort of where I'm at. And, you know, some, some, some really great films are on this list. And I'm very, very happy about how this turned out. Um, how are you feeling right now about your year? I watched a lot of great stuff. I'm going to do, I'm going to try to stick with stuff that I seen for the first time this year. Because there's a lot that I rewatched this year. Yeah, yeah. Um, of what I've seen, half of them I gave five stars. <laughs> hey, so, there's you know. there's quite some narrowing down I have to do, but yeah, yeah, this one doesn't hurt. Um, would you care for me to start? Yeah, go ahead. All right. I'm going to start. I would like to mention some, I guess they're dishonorable mentions because they didn't make the top 15, but like, I didn't see as many as 
as Tristan. So I can like, I can throw out some names of movies that I saw, but you know, they weren't, you know, the top of the top. Um, you know, uh, the dark Knight saw that for the first time this year. Really? That does not make it for me. Um, give it four. Mm-hmm. Did you give it a four out of five? I don't know. I I knew oh, yeah. this was pre-rating for me. Oh, okay, okay. Some of these are pre-rating. It's sort of just what I remember and then how I uh relate it to the others that I've seen. Oh, okay. Um don't worry, darling. I think I gave that one a either a three and a half or a three, something like that. That it it didn't do it for me. It was good. I was invested. It didn't do it for me. And just an honorable mention, because I rewatch it all the time now. I, but I didn't see it this year. The Mitchells versus the Machines, one of my favorite movies now. It's great. If you haven't seen it, I suggest you do see it because I really like it. So there. But I digress. My number 15 surprised me in oh so many ways. Hear me out. It's Downton Abbey, A New Era. The TV show? What is that? They made a movie. Okay. This is their second movie that they've made. This is the only exposure that I have to Downton Abbey. But they made a movie, and I went to the theater. Guess who? With my grandmother. Love her. Um, and you know what? I was like, okay, you know what? This is going to be fine. I'm going to go. I'm going to watch the movie. I'm going to see how it is. It was me her and just a bunch of older people who had probably seen the show. And I was laughing so much during that movie. Like it was, it's street, it's strange. I was expecting it to be a stuffy period drama. Yeah. Oh, not at all. It was really funny. Like it caught me by surprise. And you know what? I enjoyed it. And I have been made fun of by my coworkers for months now just for going to see the movie <laughs> much less saying that i enjoyed it <laughs> but like i liked it what can i say yeah that's fair you liked it you liked it although it is downtown abbey just yeah exactly <laughs> tristan so for me mm. The 15th best film that I've seen this year. Uh, Let me see here. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Hold on. You hear Hold on. You do. I'll do another one. Yeah, you do another one. All right. My number 14, another new release, or at least one that I saw this year, was up before Oscar season, uh, Belfast. That's Kenneth. I believe it's Kenneth Branagh. I want to be sure, but I, I enjoyed it. Yeah, it's Kenneth Branagh. I liked it. I liked the Van Morrison song that he had. I grew up listening to Van Morrison. That was cool. Um, it was short. It was uh, sweet. It was funny. I 
I liked it. I mean, I I would I don't know if I would go back to it. Again, it's an incredibly personal film for him. It's one that like mirrors his childhood, him growing up in, you know, during the riots in Belfast, Ireland. And, you know, I I respect the tradition. I might not go back to it, but I did enjoy watching it. I Kieran Hines, Judy Dench, they were wonderful in that movie. That's good. Yeah, I would say so. I mean, and I'm glad that he won for um, best screenplay. I'm very glad that he he won for that because I I think he deserved it. Mm-hmm. I thought it was very well deserved. Mm-hmm. Well, there's a better. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> a better Irish drama uh, out right now. Banshee the Inner Chair. Yeah, but did Kenneth Branagh write it? No, he finally got his Oscar. He's nominated like eight times. Wow, really? That's different awards. Seven, I think it was seven different awards. Like oh. actor, supporting actor, picture, director, um, adapted screenplay, original screenplay, and he finally won. Mm. It was, it's impressive. All right, so for me... Hmm. The 15th best film that I've seen this year. That's tough. That's tough. Because there's... There's 19 that I've loved. Like, 5 out of 5. That I've given a 5... Like, new movies that I've seen this year. 19 new ones. Out of about... Like, 60 or something. Nice. And I think for the first time... If that's correct, I don't even know. I forget. But anyways, either way. Nine, there's 19 films. Number one. Or not number one. Number 15. I'd have to say... Let's see here. Probably... Dude, this is tough. Would you like um you know what? Instead I'm uh I actually instead of ranking them, I'm just gonna just it. talk about them. I'm just gonna I'm not gonna do it in order. I'm just gonna yeah. I'm just gonna list it off for in order, yeah, of what I seen that I loved for the first time this year. So I saw Grave of Fireflies, Grave of the Fireflies in January. Um it is directed by Iseo Takahata. It is came out in 1988 it's a studio ghibli film um i'm sure maybe you've heard of it but yeah. it's a it's a very depressing anti-war film animated uh following a brother and her younger sister or his younger sister um basically refugees from the american bombings of of japan during world war ii and you see their struggle as they try to live and survive uh, through, through this war. And they are treated horribly by a lot of different people that they run into. Um, kind of like critiquing a war, right, as itself, but also the attitude of Japanese people at the time. 
um, more so by like the lack of the reason they felt that way probably was because of the lack of uh, help that the empire gave gave their people, the Japanese empire at the time. Um, yeah, it's a very depressing movie. Extremely depressing. Uh, so sad. But you um, loved it. Yes, it's incredible. Yeah. It's extremely powerful. Um, but so bleak. It's yet so real. I mean, I mean, yeah, what, that's why I like as odd as this may sound, like I love watching sad stuff because it's real and it's authentic and I know it's gonna be good. Yeah. So yeah, Grave of the Fireflies. And then since you already did two, I'm gonna do one more. Sounds I also good. watched I watched the Batman, the new one that came out earlier this year. I loved it. I'm a big I'm a big Batman fan, like as the comic book character. He's my favorite like comic book character. Um superhero in general. He yeah, I I grew up playing the Batman Arkham games. I don't know if you're familiar with those on the PlayStation 3. I played I played those like Batman Arkham Asylum, Arkham City, and then Arkham Knight. Um I played those growing up. I love those games. And then I also grew up watching the Dark Knight trilogy from Christopher Nolan, which is also great, except for the last one. The last one's kind of suck. The last one, well, it didn't suck, but it's kind of weak, in my opinion. Um, but after watching the new one um, by Matt Reeves, I came away. I was like, this is easily the best adaptation of the Batman as a character far better than the Dark Knight. And I know that's a extremely controversial, controversial opinion, considering how loved and praised the Dark Knight is. And it rightfully is. Um, and it's mostly carried by Heath Ledger. And I think a lot of people can admit that. And that's I mean, a lot of people love it because of that reason, because of him. But I think this this particular film is a far more rounded and like, uh, yeah, far more rounded adaptation of not only his character, the the things that he deals with in his mind, but the city and like all the surrounding characters as well. The supporting cast is just incredible, and I love the Riddler as a villain. Um, Paul Dano's Paul Dano's uh performance as the Riddler is fantastic, and I love like the commentary that the film gives as well, with regards to stochastic terrorism, and uh you know right wing reactionary like politics and how that accelerates those kinds of things, and the the lack of or the corruption of state as well, and how the you know the Batman kind of like how he's trying to navigate through through those things. And how he's a catalyst for both of them in some in some different ways. I th- yeah, I think the film's brilliant. I can't wait to see what Matt Reeves has got for the next the next film. Very nice, very nice indeed. My, I'm I I stayed in the vein for my number thirteen. I did I did rank mine just in case you're you're getting confused, dear listener. I did rank mine. My, my number 13 
I'm sticking on the fun route a little bit. I liked to see how they run. So that was a new release that came out. Uh, I want to say late July or August. Sam Rockwell and Saoirse Ronan are paired together investigating a murder at a play. Um, you know, I gotta say it. It was it was funny. My mystery had me engaged. I was. I enjoy, I enjoyed my time watching it. Like, could some shots, could some endings be somewhat predict- predictable? Yes. Yes. But um, I, I, I think what helped it out was that there were noticeable twists. There was really good um, suspicion and really good twist in the middle that was kind of throwing me off my rhythm. What kind of movie is this going to be? I said to myself, 45 minutes in. And I forgot about kind of it. So when, you know, the ending is is foreshadowed, right? As as a mystery might do. The ending is foreshadowed. But I know ne- you never I never realized it until it actually started happening. That, oh, wait, I've seen this exact thing before. I, it, it's not like I was expecting it to happen. I kind of figured, oh, they're describing this in so much detail. It's probably going to come back later. And then it just went right out of my brain. Forgot about it. You know, I, I, I think I liked it more than most based on what I saw. Like, I, I, I believe most of the, most of the other reviews that I saw were mostly, oh, it's, it's okay. It's average. It's all right. I liked it more than others, but you know, yeah, it is what it is. Mm-hmm. For me, or the film I saw after that, all that jazz directed by Bob Fosse. Uh, loved it. Uh, I thought it was incredible. It's a very personal film about his own life and like his addiction with drugs and alcohol and women. And yeah, it's a beautiful film. I think it's very cathartic to watch and very just fun. I think it's fun. Um, a fun film to watch. I love it. Uh, don't really have much to say other than that. But yeah, all that jazz, Bob Fosse, pretty good. Fosse's a big Broadway guy. I mean, you don't know Stephen Sondheim, but at least you know Fosse. That matters. Yeah, because of, uh, you know, he directed a film. <laughs> yeah, but I mean. He directed that and then Cabaret. Yep. Musical. And Lenny. And then some other films, but those are the three that like. He's most known for. Yeah. I mean, he did the choreography for Chorus Line. Uh, I believe it was Chicago as well. I mean, big, big, noticeably famous guy in in Mm. theater and choreography. But aside from Fosse, excellent, excellent pick. Good pick. Good job. My number 12, the first of five movies that we have done episodes on that made this list. So the first of five that made the list from this podcast, uh, you've heard me talk in length about each each of these. So it's kind of going to be a little gloss over. But number 12 for me is Tar. Oh, Tar. Oh, whoa. (laughs) Just kidding. It's it's uh, you've heard us talk. That's our longest episode to date. Yeah, it's. 
it's so it's dense. It's impressive. It's really good. Would I see it again? Probably. Should I see it again? Definitely. <laughs> but like on the mix of I'm I'm incredibly impressed by it, like beyond astounded by Kate Blanchett, by Todd Field, by what he was able to create with that, um, with the cinematography, with the uh, crafted screenplay, with the dialogue. It was incredible. And then it it's it's not, it doesn't make you feel good. Like you don't enjoy it, but you you completely appreciate it. You understand it. And, you know, I liked it. That's why it makes my top 15. And I, you know, I'm just, I'm blown, I'm still blown away by it. Yeah, it's a brilliant. month later. <laughs> Absolutely brilliant. The one I watched after all that jazz, I got eight and a half by um, Federico Fellini, the Italian master. Um, probably considered probably the greatest Italian filmmaker who's ever lived. Um, and one of the greatest filmmakers who's, a, who's ever lived. And Eight and a Half is his, like, considered to be his magnum opus by many. Basically, it's the plight of, uh, of a creative, uh, in this case, a director, a film director, who can't really figure out how to make a movie and he's just kind of going through like a creative block and there's just like all these all these things that are happening to him and like you just kind of see his life unfold as he's going through this creative process uh of trying to figure out how to make a movie it's brilliant um and as like i said in my my very short review of it the cyclical plight of the artist i thought it was brilliant and uh, yeah, eight and a half. Very nice. Eight and a half gets five stars or four stars. Five. These are all five stars. Eight and a half gets five stars, not eight and a half stars. It's a little depressing. It's also <laughs> low hanging fruit for the joke there. So <laughs> I apologize. <laughs> My. My number 11, it's my most recent watch of all of the films on this list. My number 11 is The Whale. Ah, okay. It falls under the similar um, trajectory of, um, what was, what was your, your first one? The uh, Fireflies. Grave of Fireflies? Grave of the Fireflies. Grave of the Fireflies, yeah. It's similar to that in that you're kind you kind of know you're going in for an emotional kind of ride. It is an emotional ride and it sucks and it's really good. <laughs> and you know, yeah, that that's gonna be my comment. It sucks and it's really good. <laughs> I'm so glad that it sucked to watch that movie. Yeah, Aronofsky for you. Yeah, it. I I was impressed, and Brendan Fraser acts wonderfully. Sadie Sink surprised me. Actually, like, I was thinking, oh, you know, Stranger Things, Taylor Swift music video. Shout out Cecilia for showing me the Taylor Swift all too well music video. Um, 
I, I was impressed. I was, I really liked it. And you know, I wouldn't be surprised if you won an award and I would be happy, well, sad, but happy to go back again and watch it because I think at three separate times during that movie, I started to cry. It was really- Where'd you watch it? I went, I went to my home theater. They're still showing it. Nice. Yeah. I gotta, I gotta see that. Next for me. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, most definitely. He got a, you know, Brendan Fraser got a six minute standing ovation at the premiere of it. Did you hear about that? I did. Yeah. Good. Uh, the next film that I saw, which if I did have a ranking would go really high up on that list is called Z. It's just the letter Z directed by Costa Gravas. It is a political commentary film about this um, fictionalized country that is thrown into a kind of civil unrest due to a leftist um, politician who is coming to town to like have a organization like a rally of some sort for his campaign and there is a big group of you know right wing like opposition that shows up and then like a riot breaks out and the leader gets killed and assassinated and then following that there is a large large like uh, portion of the film where it goes into the the way that the state um, kind of operates to cover that up and make sure there is no progress that occurs uh, ultimately, even after it may seem like there is good people that in within the apparatus of the state that are trying to like do the right thing, even though as as hard as they try at the end of the day, uh, progressive rule um, does does not take over. Uh, in the face of oppression and regression. And the ending is very, very bleak. Mm. Very bleak, but so true. It rings so true, but it's such a depressing way to end uh, that film because you're kind of like hoodwinked. You're thinking, oh, it's all going to be good. And then the ending action, then the ending happens and you're like, oh, I be- I thought I was optimistic. I I overestimated the- I overestimated uh these people and then oh. yeah, it turns out to actually be worse than when it started. So <laughs> brilliant film though. Brilliant film. I loved it. I got to rewatch it. But yeah. The, the Z. Dangers of being positive. Yes. <laughs> Very nice. I think I think I should go watch that. Perfect, perfect New Year movie. You know, <laughs> sitting at home, pop it on. Feel very bleak. Yep. Very good. Okay, we're opening my top ten. We're opening top ten. This is my second uh, podcast movie. I put the Royal Tenenbaums at ten. Wow! Really? Okay. I think. And I'm I'm sure I'm said I've said this at one point, but drama, 
addresses problems, forces you to watch them in real time, and then think about what you would do. Comedy is corrective. Comedy allows you to fix those problems. Comedy proposes a solution to help you get through that. And the Royal Tenenbaums, I love the story. I love Royal as a character. And his arc is impressive. And I, you know, I... There's a, a lot of like personal sentiment that I could I could present along with it with this um with that film and 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 how much I I enjoy the crafting of the characters, the relationships between Royal and each member of his family. I mean, it's just I'm in I really like it. It 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 I'm glad that we did it. I'm glad that I've seen it. I I rate it very highly. Good. Yeah. Good, good. Yeah, Royal Tenenbaums is a lot of fun to watch. But also sad, too. It's kind of sad. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. It's bittersweet. All right, the next one I saw, Let Through. It's a prison break film. It came out in the 60s or 1960 by Jacques Becker. It is follows five dudes. Who are all in a cell and they well there's four guys there's like a new guy that enters the cell and there's just kind of like this this air of mistrust because of that new dude like can they trust this guy to not tell anyone about the plan and so they go on with the plan this this is the film that Shawshank Redemption wishes it could be and uh yeah it's it, it's a very well it's an anti um it's like a it's like an abolitionist kind of film uh, may, uh maybe not that i guess it's more so like anti more like criminal justice reform i suppose i guess is a good way to put it but i mean regardless i think the film is is brilliant in terms of the way that it deconstructs the relationships between the five dudes. And there's a bit of a twist at the end that you hope you don't, you hope that doesn't happen, but you know, it just ultimately is like kind of out of their control. Um, yeah, it's, it's a lot of fun to watch, but requires a lot of patience there. It's very meticulous in it's detail. Um, there isn't there isn't any music, if I recall from when I watched it. There's no music. Ooh. Uh, if if I remember, it's just it's just the actors acting, and the director directing, and it's brilliant. Let through, fantastic, incredible. Watch it. Very cool. Nice. <laughs> it's the film Shawshank wishes it was. Nice. No sweeping score though. That's sad. My number nine, and this is this is probably just because I'm a simp for Aaron Sorkin. Number nine is being the Ricardos. I really liked it. I really did. I'm I'm captivated. I'm tense. I want I want everything to go well for Ms. Lucille Ball. This is a it's a it's creative because again, it's historical fiction. It's I think it's taking liberties with um 
actual events, which was that Lucille Ball of I Love Lucy was accused of being a communist. She had been cleared by the, um, you know, the House Intelligence Committee, the House Committee on, on you know, discovering communism. The, uh, and, but it was going to come out again. And so they were, they were going through a week of writing and rehearsing and directing the show, I Love Lucy, their episode. And they're not sure if they're going to get another one. And you see Javier Bardem is fantastic as Desi Arnaz. He's, you know... He's doing everything he can to basically fix things for Lucy because he loves Lucy. And, you know, it's so heartbreaking because it kind of just shows how they fall apart as well. It's, I love, love, love the last like 20 minutes of this movie. It's beautiful. I mean, there, there's really not much else I can say because Aaron Sorkin, I think, is one of the great writers of the time. I think, I think he is fantastic. I think whatever he writes turns to gold, and I will happily watch it no matter what. He could write a children's book, and I would probably read it. I just probably purchase it. I mean, I disagree, <laughs> but hey, we're all entitled to our own opinion. Am I right? Yeah, we are. <laughs> That's what these lists are for. <laughs> That's right. That's right. All right. For me, after that, after Z or Matrue. Matrue, yeah. Memories of Murder from Bong Joon Ho, 2003. I believe that this is a better film than Parasite. Mm. And I know that's not a popular opinion because everyone and their mom, except for my friends, uh, Love Parasite. <laughs> <laughs> they, I think they say that just to spite me, but whatever. Either way, Memories of Murder, it's a crime drama thriller. Um, and it's very depressing, but so good. So good. Incredible. Um, yeah, my list, if I ranked it, it would be up there probably top five. Uh, of this year of new stuff that I've seen loved it loved every second of this um but also very depressing subject matter and you know but still it's it's great it's great memories of murder go watch it please yeah i've heard you talk a lot about this movie i i think i have to go i mean like I think you mentioned it on the Parasite episode. You were talking to me after the Parasite episode. This is the yeah. one to go and see. Yes. I I believe it. Yeah. I think I think that might be the way to go. It's so good. But go watch it. All right. We're going to move to my number 8. This one actually did not come out this year. This is from uh, I want to say the 80s. And I don't want to but I don't want to be wrong. Uh my my number 8 for this year is Field of Dreams. Shock and awe. Let, let the applause, let the uh, gasp settle down to a simmer. Oh my lord. Kevin Costner, Ray Liotta, James Earl Jones are in this film together. It's, it's about, it's a sport movie, sure. 
but it's it's nothing like any of the underdog stories that exist. It's nothing like um, you know, nothing like uh, Coach Carter, nothing like Hoosiers, nothing like Miracle, uh, nothing like any of a uh, closer to Remember the Titans in the sense that it's about much, much more than just the game that's being played. It's about Kevin Costner's character and his relationship with his uh, since past father and how that relates to the game of baseball and how that's affecting him uh, afterwards. It is incredible. Like my, It's one of my dad's favorites, and he was uh, shocked that I hadn't seen it. And so we sat down together to watch it and it was really, really good. Like it exceeds expectations because, you know, it might just be a, a baseball movie, but I think it's more than that. And I think it is worthy of a spot on this list. Okay. That was number 10. That was number eight, eight, eight. Wow. Okay. We're getting there. Yeah. After after uh, Memories of Murder, the next new film that I saw that I really loved was Rafifi. Came out in 1955 by directed by Jules Dassin. It is a heist film. Um, an incredibly good one at that as well. It features a very famous 30-minute sequence of the actual heist itself. And it's, it's there's no music. All you hear is the 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 things that the the actors are doing, which apparently was extremely accurate for a heist. Um, at the time, they rob a a bank or yeah, they rob a a bank or a jewelry jewelry store. I think they no they no they rob a jewelry store, and they uh open a safe. But after that ensues like the mouse and cat chase from the police and them, um, which is incredibly gripping. And yeah, just a very considering the sh- the the swiftness of how uh, you're introduced to all these characters, you really care about them. At least I did. I really cared about all of their like their, you know, their families and stuff because they all they all pretty much have families and they're, they, they're all jewel thieves and they're just kind of provide for their, their families in this way. Very kind of, there's a, it's a very sad ending to it as well, but it's still a lot of fun to watch. I mean, for that, that high sequence alone, it's worth watching in my opinion. But Rafifi. Yeah. Really good. Oh, you're muted. Did you say there's no dialogue? In that in that high scene, uh, probably not. But like, I don't think there is because they have to be very quiet. Yeah, yeah, that's impressive. Yeah, because there's like an alarm that they have to suppress using a fire extinguisher, and the alarm picks up any noise, so they have to be like extremely quiet. Yeah, it's really oh. good, really tense, really tense. So it's like Mission Impossible. Got yeah. it. Yeah, it's really good. <laughs> okay. What you may start to notice about me a little bit more as this list gets to the top is 
yes, I look for substance. Yes, I look for theme and material there. But I am a sucker for story. I need there to be a story along with it. Um, it allows me to, you know, move further along in, and, you know, this is my defense actually for my, my higher picks. So forgive me ahead of time. Uh, my number seven, my dead median of this list. And I know we have, well, actually it's the, eh, who cares? I know we have one listener who is just going to, he's going to get me for putting it this low on my list. But my number seven is everything, everywhere, all at once. That's too high. I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. No, I mean, it's, I have seen this now two and a half times. I'm probably going to see it a third before I come back to school. Yeah. I, I enjoyed it. It's a good film to watch. Yeah, it is. It is. I I think the costumes are impressive. The effects are really cool. The ideas, the story again is coherent. My issue with my only issue with it lies in the fact that I still don't know what's going on. I I think I need to go a little bit. I think, you know, and I will see it again, certainly. But I think I need to, you know, take a step back and, you know, think a little bit more about, gosh, why are they showing the credits in the middle of the film? What's happening here? What's really going on in Evelyn's head? I mean, yeah, it's it's super cool. It's incredible to watch. Like, I think I think people should watch this movie mm-hmm. regardless of whether or not you you think you'll like it, because I guarantee you, if nothing else, you'll be impressed. Yeah, I personally I mean, I, I enjoyed my time watching it, but I definitely I think it's overrated and overhyped, in my opinion. Mm. The thing I mean, on Letterboxd specifically, the score is four point five or four point four. Which is so high. So high. I mean, that was the main reason I even wanted to watch it was because of the score alone. I was like, dude, there's no way. There's no way. And I watched it and I was just like, yeah, that was fun. There was indeed no way. Yeah. (laughs) But there was way better stuff than that this year. (laughs) I got to admit. I think that's all going to fill up my January to March viewing all that way better stuff. Yeah. After Rafifi, I saw The Piano Teacher, directed by Michael Haneke, came out in 2001. Uh, I've seen another film of his, Funny Games, but uh, The Piano Teacher is a very interesting film about, uh, well, a piano teacher. Uh, who is very, very, very sexually repressed by herself and her mother. And she falls in love with one of her pupils or students who's of age, who's of age, don't worry. And, uh, dude, uh, I don't know what to say, but let's just say the most toxic relationship 
thing you'll ever see on the movie screen. That's 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 what I that's what I gotta say. It's crazy. This is a crazy movie. Go watch it. Go it's, watch it. You'll be blown away. It's crazy. It's insane. <laughs> I, uh, hang on. If 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 you can do me the honor, may I please read your review of the piano teacher? Oh, go ahead. All right. <clears throat> this is Tristan's review of the piano teacher. Wow. Did I capture it? Did I capture the emotion? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Stunned, I assume. Yeah, I was. I was. <laughs> That's spectacular. Oh, God. Yeah, if it was insane. I would, yeah. 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 Wow. Incredible, though. Michael Haneke, dude, you're crazy. He's crazy. He's insane. Anyways. Crazy insane. Moving into my number six. My number six, it is my third podcast. Is my third? Yeah, it is my third. My third podcast entry. Lady Bird. I I mean, I enjoy it. I've said a lot about it. I would I would go back to it. I've seen it um, now twice in the past two months. I've seen it three times this year. The first time, I don't think I was paying enough attention. I'll be honest. And then the second time, it just kind of hit me like a bus. And the third time, it hit me like a bigger bus. You know, it's worth it, I think. And if you haven't listened to our Ladybird episode, you can listen to me. I'll listen to that. Grill grills Tristan on who the heck Steven Sondheim is and why <laughs> Greta Gerwig is so thorough with what material she's including in her uh in her film and how good it is. And yeah, you should go listen to that episode right now, right after this, actually. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I gotta I gotta make this quick because I gotta leave soon. No problem. All right. I saw Marcella Shell with shoes on. Very beautiful, very cute, heartwarming. My favorite movie. My favorite film of 2022, like that released this year, like my favorite of, of this year. Yeah. I'll get to the best in a little bit. Marcelo Show Shoes on. I loved it. Uh, Dean Fletcher Camp. Um, beautiful. Very good. Um, open up my top five. My top five was uh, Drive My Car, Ryusuke mm. Hamaguchi. Yes, I was. I watched this about four hours before the Oscars started. No, really? it, was, it was nominated for best uh, best foreign film and best picture. I and I was like, okay, picture. It was the Oren. It was the only foreign film that I watched leading in, and I loved it. I was hypnotized by it. I was captivated by it. The scenes are probably like ten minutes long, and they never drag on. They're never boring. The time always seems to fit it. Like the the first act of the movie is 40 minutes long and it feels like you just sat down. It was fantastic. Mm. I need like, to rewatch that. It was, I loved it. It was great. Yeah, great. Yeah, that's great. Top five. There we go. Okay. Okay. That's a good one to start your top five with. Okay. Another film I saw that I love this year. Saw Scarface from Brian De Palma, Ooh. 1983. 
So good, yo. Have you seen this? I've not. Oh my gosh, you gotta see this. This is wow. This is energy on the screen like no other. Charisma like no other. Al Pacino is, I mean, we all know he's a legend, one of the greatest actors of all time. I mean, the guy's Al Pacino. Uh he's amazing as uh Tony Montana. And Dude, the story, the commentary, brilliant, brilliant. Um, and it's, dude, this it's such a depressing ending, too. So depressing. Mm. So depressing, but so good. Go watch it. Scarface. You had me at Classic. story there. You had me at story. Classic. All right. My number four. It's the, uh, it's the highest film ranked that came out this year. Mm. Uh, it's going to be Triangle of Sadness. Ah. That's my fifth and final. No, it's not. It's actually my fourth podcast film. Okay. But it's it's the highest one for, that came out this year. I've, I've, I've said it on the episode a few weeks ago. I said this was my number one for the year. I have not been proven wrong yet. <laughs> I am excited for March to watch this win Best Picture at the Oscars, just as it did. No, no, it's not. Palm Dior <laughs> at Cannes. I'm, I'm, I'm beyond stoked. I'm looking forward to it. It's also, you know, it's funny. This is the second movie that has, uh, what's his name? The guy who plays Carl. It's the second movie that he's in on this list because he was also in See How They Run. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. And he was also in Where the Crawdads Sing that I also saw that did not make this list. Ah, okay. Very fun. Yeah. Saw a lot of him this year. Another another film that I loved, absolutely adored, and a surprise for many, uh, for many that know me, because I am not a fan of action. I do not like the genre. It's probably one of my least favorite genres. But I watched The Terminator one and two over this past summer. Terminator 2 is the greatest action film I have ever seen in my life. I love this. Terminator 2, Judgment Day, James Cameron, 1991. Uh, look, James Cameron will never, ever, ever make something as great as this ever again in his life. Okay? I don't care if you make <laughs> Avatar 3.8. Uh, a freaking masterpiece. Nothing will ever top Terminator 2 in his career. This film is just... Oh, my God. It's so good. I don't even know what to say about it. I'm speechless just thinking about it. I want to watch it again. Like, oh, bro. Adrenaline. Um, I loved it. I loved it. Very it, nice. Go watch it. Uh, watch the first one, though, before you watch the second one. Because the, fir- the first one's more like a horror film than an action film. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's worth watching the first one just to watch the second one. It's groundbreaking, too, like in terms of its special effects. Groundbreaking. And it doesn't, it doesn't really age that terribly. Like, it kind of ages kind of well. Because um, um, ILM, they, they worked on the film. And... 
Yeah, the technology they use, like the CGI rendering, because this is 1991. Uh, this is far more groundbreaking than The Matrix in terms of its special effects. And the action sequences are top-notch as well. Um, but yeah, and it's also a very captivating film. Um, but yeah, Terminator 2, Judgment Day, incredible, masterpiece, love it. There we go. My number three, my number three, top three, final podcast entry, final episode that you could go back and want listen to right after this episode, right now. I think I know what this is. Take a guess. Lion. Ooh, swing and a miss. Oh, Lion's at the top too? You forgot about Parasite. Oh. No, Lion didn't make the list. (laughs) Wait, what? No, Lion didn't make the list. <gasps> what? <laughs> My gosh, I can't believe that. I'm saying it again. You know, again, was I impressed with it? Did I enjoy it? Was it really good? Yes. You know what? Should it have made the list? Probably. But you know what? I wasn't thinking about it. I pushed it to the back of my mind. And I, I say this as I've killed Chris, uh, Tristan. My number three is Parasite. <laughs> I was I was blown away by Parasite. Again, I said for the past the last half hour of that movie, my jaw was on the floor and it did not close. My dad, my dad, he, the other day he said, you know, I, I started watching Parasite. Yeah. You know, I, I, he's like, I couldn't get into it. I can't, couldn't get over how scummy the family is. And I'm uh, like, wait, which family? Probably, the, uh, probably the Kims to be honest but like i'm like dude you just you just gotta get you gotta get a little bit further yeah no i mean he went to see the whale with me so Mm. he's he's slowly easing his way in into the art house yeah area yeah i appreciate it that's a good pick though for three that that deserves number three that deserves being a top three of anyone's list all right Next one for me, Heat from Michael Mann, 1995, classic uh, crime thriller drama, uh, headlining Robert De Niro, Al Pacino, and Val Kilmer. Just, I mean, I, I, I the first time I tried to watch it, I didn't even finish it because I was so bored. <laughs> but, 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 but. The second time I I actually watched it, or I should say the very first time I watched it, giving it its full respect, I was so engrossed by the characters, the world um, that they were set in, and the relationship between Robert De Niro's character and Al Pacino's character, and how they both like kind of maneuver around each other and trying to take each other down. I mean, more so Al Pacino, because he's the police detective, and he's trying to figure out um you know robert's like moves in terms of where he's hitting and stuff like in terms of his heist but very gripping film uh it's considered to be one of the greatest uh heist films as well of all time and there is rumors that michael mann is creating a second film uh but i highly doubt that'll be as great as the 1995 original but yeah he go watch it very good. Very great. Love it. I love it. I'm 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 building up my credit here just to watch the uh 
extreme disappointment on Tristan's face as soon as I get to my top. But, you know, I'm building up my <laughs> number two, number two on this list. I'm scared. I saw, it, I saw it for the first time this year, oh. back in January. Oh, no. The Godfather. No, what could be higher than The Godfather? I Again, this is my list. Oh. It's not this. Again, this is a personal list. This isn't a oh. measure. What is the greatest film of all time? No, I know. This is a I measure know. of what are my top. No, I know. What, I know. what did I enjoy? The most? But again, this three-hour mob movie from the 70s is number two for me. Like, I that's, was... That's kind of... I mean, when you describe it like that, well, yeah, no one's going to think it's great, but, like, it's considered it's to be the greatest movie of all time. I was like, ah, whatever. It's the Godfather. It's who cares? Who, who? I mean, like, what? How good could it possibly be? Apparently, really freaking good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Apparently, <laughs> I guess. Who knew, right? I guess. Now you gotta watch the second one. Yeah, I don't know. People, people saying that for uh, ah, gosh, you know, forty years now, fifty years now. I guess they were onto something. I don't know. <laughs> so. I mean, <laughs> number All two, right. Godfather. Okay. Man, there we go. Okay. All right. Uh, I'm going to hit these. I'm going to hit five right now. Okay. Love it. I'll be fast with this. Do it. All right. I'm going to start with the the least liked or not liked, but at least good. Because these are all five stars, by the way. Everything that I've mentioned are five stars. Okay. So I'm going to start with Incendius. Mm, Incendius or Incendius, I don't know how to say it. Uh, directed by Denis Villeneuve. I would consider this to be his best film. Came out in 2010. It follows two children who are trying to figure out the secrets of their mother and their origin story, who their father is. Uh, very gripping film. Incredible twist that probably a lot of people won't ever see coming. Uh, very depressing, but also hopeful. Uh, great film. Incendius, Denis Villeneuve. Best film of his filmography, I would say. After that, I would probably pick Streetwise, a documentary directed by Martin Bell. Came out in 1984. It follows uh, several children in Seattle, Washington. Uh, homeless, by the way. Um, kind of diving into their lives. Very intimate film. Uh, kind of no holds barred and very depressing watching their lives, you know, their daily routine and what they do as a living. Um, considering that, you know, especially with the context that they're all children, uh, it just like is such an eye opening experience. I think every American certainly needs to watch this uh, necessary viewing um, and very, very enlightening as well. I'd say after that, um tar which is probably yeah well in my opinion the best film of this year and i know we disagree but i love this todd field master kate blanchett master both of them at the top of their game creatively this is uh a film that i think will go on for you know 
it will build a legacy of uh, potentially becoming a masterpiece. I personally think it is. And um, yeah, I like to see what Todd Field has in store for his next film. I know he took a long hiatus with this in, uh, from his the film that he came out previously over a decade ago uh, before Tar. But yeah, Tar, fantastic. And then after that, I'd say Twin Peaks, Fire Walk With Me. I mm. watched the show. The show was great. Um, Twin Peaks, Fire Walk With Me was a prequel that came out after the show ended. Uh which is don't watch the prequel before you watch the show. It'll spoil the show for you. Please do not do that. But it goes over basically Laura's like life before her death, like short life. Yeah, it, it's scary, terrifying. It's terrifying. Uh, probably David Lynch's scariest movie. Uh, although I haven't seen Inland Empire yet, although I will be seeing that when it comes out in the Criterion Collection in March, which it's been announced that it has. So I'm scooping that up immediately. Uh, I ain't watching it on YouTube for like 480p, dude. No. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to watch the 4K, 4K remaster. But anyways, uh, yeah, Twin Peaks Firewalk with me. Terrifying, but so moving. Um, and enlightened. It, it brings the show even greater i think this is what david lynch intend intended for what the show to like kind of feel like watching this kind of horrifying uh like experience trauma experience that laura goes through that you see in the film uh very great and then after that i'd probably say malcolm x uh i just recently watched that magnificent Dude, Spike Lee, Denzel Washington, absolutely incredible. Uh, it is a biopic of obviously Malcolm X, of his whole life. Um, it's pretty long, three hours and 20 minutes. But at least for me, when I was watching him, uh, Mackenzie fell asleep. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Bad. Because I was tired. But. I will be watching it again. Parts I did see, incredible. So, <laughs> yeah, there was a there was there was lots of things that I learned about his, him as a person because obviously in American uh, education, when it comes to Malcolm X, he is a figure that is completely washed over, and it is either kind of just like drawn up very generally like oh he cited violence and stuff like that he was a bad person yeah sure he was a civil rights activist but he wasn't as good as mlk um which certainly isn't true uh his life and his character as a person is far more nuanced than that and this film definitely i uh, opened my eyes to like who he truly was um, very good. Incredible. Denzel, one of Denzel Washington's uh, best performances of his career. Um, you, you know, you could probably make the argument that it is his best and one of Spike Lee's best films. Um, just below Do the Right Thing, but still incredible. And then I got one more after that, which okay. I would say probably the best film that I've seen this entire year. Oh, I'm surprised it's not Tar. Okay. All right, so 
Oh, wait, I think I know what this could be. Dear listener, I am so sorry to you because you will not be able to see the look of utter disappointment. Oh, never mind. Kristen's I don't know face. what this is. Because, you know, again, this oh, is God. my top list. This is my favorite film that I've seen of the past year. I've seen it three times since. I love it. It's incredibly story-driven. It's incredibly emotional. I am so, so glad it got the recognition it deserved. My number one is Coda. <laughs> and we see him oh, hand, no in, hand, hand in head in hand. No abysmal reaction from Tristan. <laughs> oh, he Dude, falls to the no, floor. No ran. No lion. No. No, uh, what else did we see? I don't even know, bro. But none of those films are make you list. Do you want, do you, <laughs> did you want me to just rank our podcast episodes? Here we go. Uh, number one, episode four. Number two, episode two. Number three, episode seven. They are certainly great. But again, it I gotta falls hear you. Under, I gotta hear your reasoning. I gotta hear it your falls reasoning. under greatness versus personal enjoyment, personal fulfillment, personal whatever. You know, I didn't enjoy the whale, but mm. I felt something. Like okay. I felt sadness. I felt okay. Pity. okay. I felt crappy. I did some, you know, yourself that self analysis yeah. for it. Yeah. You know, I I saw Gladiator this year. For the first time, I can recognize why it won awards. I can recognize that it's a great film. I can say, okay, yeah, right. I, I would not care to watch it again. It was not one of my favorite experiences. And, you know, it just kind of falls to the wayside. I mean, of all things, Ran, Ran is impressive. Ran is like visually stunning. It's spectacular, but again, I can't say it did much for me. It's again, just, it's, it's an adaptation of King Lear that is visually stunning and impeccable to see, but I know the story. It's so much. I know what's happening. I, I enjoyed Coda. I have seen it several times. The music still brings a tear to my eye mm. i have loved watching it and that i think is the most important thing for a film to go into your top 10 you love to watch it i mean and yeah, i think that's true uh, i think uh, an optimistic film should always may be may be at the top of your list because what's the point in believing in bleakness in the pointlessness uh the worthlessness of life, the worthlessness of moving on. What is the point? Because you're still alive. Why not be positive? Why not be optimistic? Why not have a sense of hope for the future? That is why Coda is my number one that I saw for the first okay. time this past okay. year. I mean, yeah, you're right. I mean, when it comes to my ratings, uh, when I give something five stars, I enjoyed it a lot, but I also think it's incredible. Like from a filmmaking perspective, perspective, um, and like it, its importance, I think as well. 
given its its immediate context as well and and whatnot. But yeah, that's that's fair. That's fair. I mean, again, art art is always subjective. Yeah. You know, as hard as that may be for me to admit, sometimes <laughs> <laughs> so, like is my elitism, is my elitism and like gatekeeper ish tendencies comes out when I hear stuff like that. <laughs> uh, I gotta try my hardest not to let that out because you know I don't want to hurt anyone's feelings, especially yours. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, considering, you know, we're both. We both have different tastes. Yeah, certainly. Yeah, so. But, you know, I think we'll just have to release your your look of shock and awe <laughs> as like a bonus feature. Follow us on Instagram, odyssey.of.cinema. You can see Tristan's full reaction Dude. to my yeah. announcement of my number one. Oh, man. You see all yeah. the disappointment in his face. It's great. <laughs> I was like, yo, it's going to be Rand. It's going to be the Godfather. It's going to be Lyon. I'm like, yes, let's go. And then Dakota. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, okay. Whatever. Have you seen it? That's my, <laughs> my, my only question. Have you seen it? No, I've never. Yeah, okay, there we go. Well, all I know. It could make number all one. I've heard, okay, all I've heard from it is that it's just Oscar bait, but the people are deaf. Like it's Maybe just a so. normal. It's just like your kind of prototypical drama, but like the cast is deaf. I thought it was cool. Hey, wait! You thought it was cool. Thought it was cool. All right, and uh, enough, enough trashing on you. I don't want to do that anymore. Kristen, you're <laughs> number one. That I bet you I haven't seen. No, you've seen it. Oh, sweet! You've seen it. Okay. This is the best film that I've seen this year. It is 1985's. Ran from Akira Kurosawa, an absolute masterpiece, magnificent film that blows my mind just thinking about it. So epic, so grand. Yes, very depressing and bleak. Yes, all those things. But I, I can, I learn a lot. I learn a lot from Shakespeare's King Lear and Akira's uh, adaptation of it. I think it's a brilliant film. And I think everyone should watch this. And I, on top of that, I think this is Kurosawa's best film of his career. And this is the same dude that made Seven Samurai, Ikiru, Rashomon, uh, Throne of Blood, High and Low, Redbeard. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. This guy is a master of the art form. Uh, but Ran is just on another level for me. I was blown away by it when I watched it. Um, and I want to watch it again because it is just so good. So good. I loved I it. That. I respect that a lot. Yeah. If, if that, yeah. If I were to rank stuff, that would be number one of this year of yeah. new stuff that I've seen, new, new movies that I've seen. You know, yeah. I'll be honest though. I wish I had known I was doing this ahead of time because I probably would have remembered a few more things that I saw in the middle. You know, I think the whole window of February to August is just a blur. <laughs> I don't think I don't think any of the movies that I saw in that window of time made the list. That's why uh, the letterbox thing helps. It does. I agree. It helps a lot. I've been doing it even with like the stuff that I'm rewatching. I've been adding it. It's been great. You know, you can even in uh, 
our our Instagram handle odyssey.of.cinema. You can see our link tree in that bio. Mm-hmm. You can get to both mine and Tristan's letterbox, and you can see That's what right. we're thinking about That's any right. movie that we go to see or right. you know, stream or whatever. So you know, you can check that out. Yep. And, you know, see what Tristan said about the Hot Wheels movies, or see what I said about Dougal. You know, all in all, we do it. We do it because it's fun. We enjoy. Yeah. We enjoy watching movies. We enjoy cinema, yeah. and that's the point. Yep, that's right. And I hope everybody enjoyed. I got to do it once. I'm sorry. I hope everybody enjoyed coming along the cinematic odyssey with us. <laughs> our our past year. I got to do it. It's a, we're going to continue. We're going to continue that journey this year or this upcoming year. Uh, in 2023, I'll be watching stuff. Guaranteed, guaranteed 52 films by the end of the, this this year, at the very minimum. Uh yeah. maybe like 51 because of Oscars. Yeah, something like that. Because that won't be a episode where we talk about a film in particular. No. We're just gonna talk about the Oscars. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but anyways. But here that's, we go. Yeah, I mean, great, great to start off or end off this year with with starting this podcast. I think it's been a lot of fun so far, and you know, can't wait to continue it into next year. And uh, anything you have with regards to like a. You know, resolution with the watching movies or anything, anything related to that? I mean, yes, certainly, of course. I mean, it, it's been an absolute pleasure to get to do this. Um, I've been having a, a lot of fun. And I guess my my only resolution is to actually come up with a decent rating score. Know what the heck a two-star movie is. What is a three-star movie to me? And... You know, I think that'll make my system a lot better. Because if you, you know, if I just watch the movie and I'm like, oh yeah, I like that, mm-hmm. five stars. <laughs> it maybe doesn't deserve five stars. Yeah. <laughs> just, I mean, like the movies that I rewatch over and over again, I think they they get five stars because of nostalgia. But like again, I have to resolve and say, okay, did I really enjoy this movie? Yes. Yeah. But is it really that good? Yeah, 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 yeah. And take it back and weigh, you know, the um the emotional um preference versus the you know technical success. I th- I think I mean I have a lot of five stars in my account. I have a hundred and eight. I've seen seven hundred and fifty-eight. I've logged seven hundred and fifty-eight on my account. Um, so that's a good portion of it, but yeah, like a, a smallish portion, but it's definitely a lot more than on average, I guess. But either way, I, when it comes to giving a five star, I'm like, I really enjoy it, but I also think it's great. Yeah. And then there's five stars for like nostalgia stuff, but which yeah. is very small. Like that's the Hot Wheels movies, and that's pretty much it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, there we go. Yep. All right. Well, that's been great. That's been the Cinematic Odyssey this week. Uh, Happy New Year, everybody. Um, I hope 
you enjoyed today's episode. Um, and yeah, go go watch what we've told you to watch. Recommended. There's a lot that I saw this year, or that I rewatched. Um, that I wish I could have talked about, but obviously we don't have five hours to do this. <laughs> Just but come up to us lot, on the street. There's a lot of movies. Just go on my letterbox. You'll see uh you'll see my uh kind of diary of my films that I've seen this this past year. And yeah. Um on to the next one. Uh thank you for listening. This has been the Cinematic Odyssey here on United Two Moose. All right, later. <laughs>